0: Welcome to Career Buzz, the unique radio conversation that empowers lives, enriches careers, and energizes organizations. Today on your show, what's a hot career sector, even during the pandemic, where employers are hiring, you make good money, and don't need a lot of experience? Hi, I'm Mark Franklin, practice leader of a team of professional career counselors at CareerCycles.com and co-founder of One Life Tools. I'm pleased to be your host today on Career Buzz. Thanks for tuning in this morning. What's a job that uses your effective communication skills, conversational acumen, it features problem-solving, storytelling, and active listening? Technical sales is the answer. No, this isn't selling laptops in stores, rather it's business-to-business Sales and business development. And it's what today's guest, Joseph Fung, knows all about. He's built a technical sales software platform and now leads a sales training company called Uvaro, where he serves as co founder and CEO. Joseph joins us to bust the myths about technical sales and help you understand how business development may be the hidden gem career you've been seeking. Joseph Fung, welcome to Career Buzz.
1: Thanks for having me, Mark. I'm, I'm so pumped about today's conversation. Thanks for having me on. Glad
0: to have you join us. What, what are you liking about your career these days?
1: Oh my goodness. Uh, as a, a repeat tech founder, I mean, I love building companies, but now we get to help people land amazing careers in tech and seeing their journeys and their growth is so rewarding. It is, it's such a remarkable time right now. I'm having a blast.
0: So you're a co-founder and CEO of Uvaro. What do you do? What's it all about?
1: We we run a sales training program. We help people in other industries, maybe hospitality, tourism, uh, insurance sales. We help them get into tech companies by teaching them how to sell tech, how to interview, and how to land amazing roles. And so we get to help our, our clients, our trainees, uh, just launch amazing careers uh, with some of the hottest companies. And that's that's really rewarding.
0: Nice. And and for you to be successful in your work, you're you're leading the charge, you're doing training, it sounds like you're doing a lot of different things. What sort of skills do you use to be successful?
1: Oh my goodness. I think the, the easy and obvious ones are like logistics, systems thinking. There's a lot of moving parts in a business like this. Um, but I think the skills that are perhaps underappreciated, that we really need to exercise every day, are around empathy. You know, everybody who comes to us is at a different but kind of vulnerable point in their life. Maybe they're reevaluating their direction. They've maybe just been laid off. They feel like they're at a limit, and we need to meet them where they're at. And that's been a, a, a big skill for me to exercise and for our whole team to exercise. So yeah, I'd, I'd kind of put that pin on empathy. <laughs>
0: Here we are, uh, 14 or 15 months into the pandemic, and, and it's affected everybody in different ways. How has the pandemic affected you and your work?
1: Um, it's really interesting, and, and I think there's two lenses kind of the individual, but also the, the collective that comes to mind. Individually, I mean, I've got two small kids, you know, four and nine, they're underfoot. We're delivering curriculum on Zoom all the time, and so there's not a day that like a Batman or a Spider-Man crashes one of my meetings. And I mean, that's, that's tough. And I know our team and our, our, our customers are going through that too. and uh, So that's, that's impacted our day-to-day work, uh, but more systemically for our business. Uh, it's, it's given it so much fuel uh, over the last year. Uh, We've grown more than 10x because the number of people who are impacted by career changes and by uh, employment changes has just skyrocketed. And I think the part that's so energizing is the sectors that are hiring are partnering with us really closely. And so we're, for a lot of people, shortcutting processes that are normally much longer and much more painful. Hmm.
0: Listeners um, might be interested to hear that part about sectors that are hiring We'll talk further about how you help people, but, you know, just to jump forward a little bit, um, when you say certain sectors are hiring, the pandemic has been really uneven in how it's affected yeah. different sectors and industries. So so who's hiring?
1: Um, I mean, one of the sectors that's been uh, minimally impacted is is the software sector. You know, people will talk about tech, you know, broadly, but even within tech, just software is one. Um, in a year where a lot of companies are, you know, kind of plateauing or constricting, uh, the software as a service industry has grown twenty-five percent. Uh, and I mean, that's—you could say that slowed down because for the last few years they've been growing thirty percent year over year. Uh, but the biggest, most successful software companies have accelerated further. They've 30, 35, 40 percent growth. So software is one of the areas that we have a lot of success pairing people in and it's one of the industries where they really do need uh, very well-trained sales skills and a certain amount of grit. And and that's what's really cool. The people who do come into our program have had to overcome challenges, overcome obstacles, and they live and breathe that idea of determination and grit every single day. Hmm.
0: For, for those who might not be connected and understand software as a service, can you give us a few example companies in that sector?
1: For sure, for sure. I mean, uh, easy ones are ones we use every day. Like Netflix, Disney Plus, you you pay a subscription and you keep getting access. Um, But most of the companies that are really growing are not selling to individuals, they're selling to businesses. Uh, And so the ones who buy them uh, are paying much larger dollar figures. Uh, So some examples would be things like Zoom, like uh, Shopify, like uh, Adobe. Uh, All of these companies sell their software to businesses uh, for subscriptions, like an individual would pay for Netflix or Disney Plus.
0: My guest today is uh, Joseph Funn. He's co-founder and CEO of Uvaro. I'm your host, Mark Franklin, here on Career Buzz. Thanks for tuning in. Let's step back a bit, Joseph, and figure out how you came to be doing this, uh, this interesting work. I know some time ago you were involved in learning software through a degree um, in computer engineering. So, you know, did you always want to be an engineer? Did you did you come at that because of a, a plan or was it more serendipitous? How did that come about?
1: Um, I think like many career choices, it's a bit of serendipity and a lot of bad choices. Um, I, I knew I always wanted to be an entrepreneur. My parents were. And so that always intrigued me. I got into computer engineering because I was told it was the, one of the hardest programs to get into. Uh, and you know, definitely that, that streak of no one's going to tell me I can't do it, yeah, is what got me into it. Uh, so yes, I studied computer engineering at the University of Waterloo, but I think what set me on the journey was all of my side projects. You know, working on, on building businesses or software apps on the side is, I think, really what sparked my passion for it. Uh, and I haven't looked back. We launched our first business in second year university, and it's kept me busy ever since.
0: So what was that business in second year university?
1: So we we launched a platform uh, that even today is used on hundreds of thousands of websites. Uh, It's a discussion forum platform called Simple Machines Forum. uh, And it uh, was an open source solution that we did not end up successfully monetizing. So we spun out into its own nonprofit and it's still running today.
0: What happened next? You uh, looks like you traveled and did a variety of things while you were finishing your degree, and then and then started in on a string of interesting jobs. What what happened after you graduated?
1: Uh, yeah, it's it's funny because I think in many ways my my university degree was like most parents' worst nightmare. Uh, I took a break, launched a business, went to China, taught English. It took me eight years to finish my undergrad. Um, ran a, a number of B2B software companies, so I know that space really well. Uh, we built a a marketing platform like a web content management system, uh, a uh, hyper-local social network, you know, so as opposed to uh, a Facebook group that's you know international, it's kind of that group where the people you might bump into when you walk your dog. Um, HR software, and we, we had a very successful exit with that. We sold that to NetSuite, uh, stayed on several years with that organization, and then launched uh, Kite and Juvaro shortly after, and Wow, this has been a heck of a journey. I I don't think we'll be uh, dishing this one anytime soon.
0: So so it looks like Kite and Uvaro are the two companies that you're involved in right now. So tell us about Kite.
1: So Kite is a software platform to help sales teams manage their sales playbooks. So traditionally, a salesperson is trained by being told, uh, here, go watch these videos, go read these PDFs, uh, memorize it, now go sell. And I mean, that's not a winning solution. Uh, The Kite platform acts more like a cheat sheet that updates itself. So if you and I were both using a platform and you added a customer story or I tweaked some competitive messaging, then both of us would have each other's changes in the latest cheat sheet. Super powerful tool. Uh, And that's used by over 14,000 sales professionals. Uh, We've got tens of thousands of playbooks on the platform. And it's actually that data you know, how people use their sales material that helped us design the Uvaro curriculum. Uh, so a very unique curriculum that's heavily informed by how real software salespeople sell their products today.
0: So how did how did Uvaro come about flowing from Kite? It sounds like Kite was sort of the tech and the process. Mm-hmm. And Uvaro now uses that in some way to do the training. Is that how it works?
1: It is. Uh, so... Uh, I mean, we were, we're selling Kite to some of the, the most exciting and fastest-growing software companies in North America. And what we hear from all of them all the time is that they have trouble hiring salespeople. Like, oh, we can't hire really good, you know, well-trained salespeople. Nobody has experience. Everybody was trying to hire out of LinkedIn and Salesforce, and they can only train so many people for us. Um, but when we started really digging into it and realizing how so many of our best customers, the ones who would buy the most software, grow the fastest, see the most success, they were investing very heavily in training. You know, New employees would come on board and they'd bring trainers in. They spend a lot of money investing in that training. And when we dug into it and we realized, hey, this, this pain is very real and we could actually pull some of that demand together. So instead of letting our customers train one, two people at a time, You know, what if we actually helped them by facilitating and doing some group classes? Because we had a lot of trainers in our network. They used our platform. Um, Our first couple of classes went so successfully. We said, we actually need to make this a public offering. And we launched the first public class in January of 2020. Uh, We thought there might be a little bit of interest, and then a global pandemic hit. And it turns out everybody wanted training to get into the tech industry. And uh, we haven't, haven't looked back.
0: It's not the first career idea that people come to, you know. On Career Buzz, we've had a few other people who have, you know, in different ways, been been encouraging listeners around sales careers. And, and often, sales gets a bad rap. People are interested in different technical roles or service roles, um, but they don't realize the benefits and the the reality. Especially business to business sales is not quite what people think. So, I guess the question is how, how do you how do you work with that reputation that people don't necessarily think of sales careers, and yet they can actually be great careers. They can be problem solving, mm. connecting with people. You know, and so there's a there's a way that you're trying to increase the image of sales. How do you how do you attract and, and bring people in when when you have that as a mindset coming in? Totally.
1: Um, I, I mean, we tackle them head on. Uh, and generally what we see is there's, uh, so to put into context, we'll share some numbers. Um, we receive about 3,000 applications a month. So for a lot of people, it's not an assumed career path, but I mean, even just within our small microcosm, you know, thousands of people a month are, are, are intrigued. Uh, we spend a lot of time trying to tackle those misconceptions right away, and there's two that really stick out. The first is that a lot of people assume you have to be technical to sell software. Um, because we talk about engineering, we talk about developers. we We use a lot of very intimidating language. The reality, though, is if you look at the biggest software companies, the publicly traded ones, they generally spend on average fourteen percent on engineering, research and development. But they're spending upwards of forty percent of their budgets on sales and marketing. And so the sales group is not this fringe group that you know you know is the the minority in the organization. The reality is software companies are built on sales and marketing. So it is, it is not a, a fringe opportunity. It very much is the norm in the industry. The second misconception is when we talk about sales. And you know, I'd love to hear what, what ideas come to your mind because for a lot of people, they think about stuff like Wolf of Wall Street, you know, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, and his slogans like coffee is for closers or the worst caricature of a used car salesperson you can imagine. And what that comes down to is this belief that in order to sell, you need to lie. You know, you need to push something that you don't really believe in. And one of the things I love about software as a service is if the service doesn't provide value anymore, people cancel the subscription. It's like if we go back to that Netflix, Disney Plus thing, if you aren't getting value anymore, you cancel the subscription. The same thing's true for businesses. So Zoom, Adobe, Shopify, those companies I mentioned, they don't want you to misrepresent because then the customer will just cancel. They want you to go and find a real problem that the product can solve, and you spend time there. So once people recognize as a salesperson, your job is not to persuade people to buy something they don't want. Your job is to kind of sift through all the people, find someone whose problem you're uniquely suited to solve, and then go help them. It's a very liberating thing because once people recognize they can be very successful in sales and still be true to themselves, it opens up so many possibilities for them. And uh, it's a real joy to share.
0: Well, you sound very upbeat on it, Joseph. You you said people can be successful. You know, listeners are always curious about the rewards of different careers. So, what what are the rewards, both um, intangible and, and tangible and monetary, if you have a tech sales career?
1: Yeah, it's really interesting, and I'll share. I'll share a couple of things. I'm going to share some industry stats, but I'll also share what we're seeing from our grads because uh, I think that context helps. Um, the industry is really, really exciting. So a, a sales rep in the software industry, uh, the median salary from junior to most senior uh, is $110,000 a year. Uh, that's in, in U.S. dollars, so we can add the exchange premium. Uh, the The part that's really interesting is that that's despite the fact that in the industry – only 60% of the reps are hitting their full quota. So a lot of the reps are going to feel like they're actually underachieving, but that's still the median salary. So there's a a lot of upside potential in there. It's really, really kind of cool. What we see within our grads is uh, not only do they see career changes faster, um, the median time from graduation to landing a role is 17 days, uh, but on average, our grads are uh, just over doubling their income. So great you know, potential outcomes. I think the part that's so exciting, though, is when you look at the C-suite in the software industry, heads of sales, you know, operations, CEO, the most common career path that got them there was sales. So if you're looking for an entry-level role where there's a big ceiling for advancement and growth, the sales organization is the, uh, the path to start from.
0: Yeah, that's um, not what people think, but it's, uh, it's enlightening to hear that, both from the, the monetary w- rewards and, and, and just hearing how many opportunities there are to grow and develop, even without the engineering degree. Mm-hmm. Um, wh- what about the non-monetary rewards of a sales career, right? It's not, it's not the grind that many people think. There's a, it seems that there's a little more flexibility or autonomy. Is that true or a misconception?
1: Uh, it's true, uh, but I should also be, be clear that, that that can feel like a double-edged sword too. Um, w- within sales, uh, there's definitely a need to do the work. So a lot of people, when they first enter a sales role, you know, they're a, a little bit surprised about the volume of activities that they're expected. So often that first year or two, you know, feels like you're, you're building your book of business. You're, you're really putting in your, your time and your effort. I don't mean like 12-hour days, 14-hour days. What I mean is you know, when you're on, when you're at your desk, you know, you're, you're really cranking through the work. Uh, the part that's really interesting, though, is as you get your feet under you and as you really understand your flows, you have a lot of autonomy on when you choose to do your work and the tools that you choose to use. So uh, I'll share a couple of examples. Um, one of the grads that we work with, The segment that he prospects into, he he generally sells to founders and CEOs, and he found his best reply rate is actually Sunday evening. And I'm guessing that a lot of the leaders, the people he's prospecting to, reply and you know get themselves ready for the week Sunday evening. Uh, So what he actually does is he puts in a couple hours Sunday evening, and that gets him enough productivity that he can often take Friday off. And so he's got a lot of flexibility in the way he arranges his schedule. Because he figured out the right balance to get the right outcomes. Because ultimately, in a sales role, it ends up being the outcomes. One of our other grads, she put this really well. So she's a uh, a person of color in a a white, male-dominated space. And one of the things she said was, what I love about sales is that the numbers don't lie. You know, you, People can throw up any excuse they want, any argument they want, but ultimately we're judged by our numbers. And so as a, a woman or as a person of color, I have everything that I need to, to crush it and to advance. And so she has all the autonomy. She doesn't feel like uh, her success is dependent on the others around her. She's got a lot more control. Uh, and that's a real delight because that means if you want to you know, book a week off or vacation, if you want to take Fridays off, if, if you like working later in the day, starting later, finishing later, you generally have a lot of autonomy there. Uh, can't speak for every single company out there, but it's definitely the trend.
0: Sure. If you hit your numbers, that's what counts. It's not about putting in the hours. It's about hitting the numbers. And so the perspective is more results-oriented um, than, than time-oriented.
1: That, that's it. And part that's really, I think, really fulfilling for many is that the numbers aren't just about closing deals, like bringing customers in. It's about retaining those customers. Uh, I put it this way. As a founder, as a CEO in a software company, it's hands down, hands down better to have a salesperson who hits half their target, but their customers all stay, than a sales rep who hits 100, 120% of their target, but half the customers ditch in a couple months. That predictability is king. And so it's actually about the more value you bring to the customers, the more successful you are. Mm -hmm. And that's a, a, a really delightful thing.
0: You're listening to Career Buzz on CIUT 89.5 FM in Toronto and worldwide at CIUT.fm. I'm your host, Mark Franklin. Before continuing on with today's show, I want to let listeners know about Career Buzz podcast episodes of Inspiring Career Stories. Go to CareerCycles.com and click podcast or subscribe to Career Buzz on your favorite podcast app and do leave us a review. Have a listen to the episode from April 27th, illustrating more careers affected by the pandemic with in-flight manager Adam Pisarek and Ruth Rakoff of Hospitality Workers Training Association. Also, hear about career resilience in the arts and entertainment sector in the May 5th episode with David Hope, Kat McKeegan and Tim Moore. Go to CareerCycles.com, click podcast or subscribe to the podcast Career Buzz on your podcast app. Now back to my interview with Joseph Fung Yuvaro's co-founder and CEO. When when you look at job postings, you know you see sometimes these sales jobs are disguised with other names. Um, we have business development, we have account executive, we have all this language. So for for listeners who might be intrigued and are th- starting to think about this, um, what are what are the range of, of job titles? We'll talk about what it requires for each of them in a moment, but it's just, it, there is a range, and, and sometimes you don't know what you're looking at if the word sales isn't actually in the job title. So what are the ranges of titles?
1: Totally. So the, the first thing I'll offer up is, uh, we've actually just gone live with a free job board for sales roles. Uh, so at uvaro.com slash jobs, uh, and you'll see they're categorized. So you can take a look at what the customer success rules look like and the job titles and an account executive role and the different job titles. So for listeners who really like the details, uh, that'll be a useful resource. Um, The really interesting thing is that we talk about sales uh, with one word, but the reality is it captures a whole host of roles. Uh, There's a lot of specialties. And so a couple of the common ones are sales development, business development. Those will often get used interchangeably. And that's it's kind of like the first contact with customers. Uh, if if you have ever filled out a form on a website and someone replied to you, you know, asking a couple of questions, offering to help, that's often a sales development, a business development role. Uh, an account executive, uh, and again, there's a ton of titles for that. Uh, we'll often say like an AE. Uh, their role is to take a, a deal that's ready to go and run the whole process. And so that means pulling all the stakeholders, a lot of coordination, handle the negotiation. But then there's even technical roles. So we hear this from a lot of people who have engineering backgrounds. They really love the solutions consultant or sales engineer role. Solutions consultant, a sales engineer, they're not usually leading a deal. They're there like the technical support in the sales organization. Uh, They need to know how to sell. They need to know how to be very customer oriented. But they're doing the more detailed demos. They're configuring the product for customers to show them what it can do. They're there to talk to the technical team. Uh, and then, I mean, there's tons of details between there. Uh, in larger companies, you can get industry experts who are there to help support the sales role. Very often, the implementation team, so the team that would support a customer after the sale, gets involved before the sale is closed so that you know you're working with Kathy or Jim before you even sign on the dotted line, and then Kathy and Jim are the ones who are helping you out. Uh, so I, I guess to put it in context... If you work at a small company, you might have one person who runs the whole sales cycle. If you work at a larger, more mature organization, there might be up to 10 different people who help move the sale forward because the roles get more specialized. So there's a lot of nuance and a lot of opportunity to find the position that fits you best as a person.
0: And for for the range of roles that you've just described, um, there's probably some common skills across those roles and maybe some specialized ones as well. Um, and as listeners are trying to say, hey, is this for me, what are the, what are the skills that, that business development and account executives draw on to be successful in their work?
1: I think uh, it's really funny because we spend a lot of time helping people with their interviews, with their resumes, uh, and it's always really interesting how the advice that we give often ends up differing from what's in the job postings. Uh, so, in the job postings, you'll see things like um, a strong customer acumen, strong communication skills. All, all those things are true. So, you know, don't cross them off the job postings. Honestly, the one that we really see being an unlisted skill is that sense of self determination. You know, that bias towards action. Um, you know, a good way to a good analogy is if you're sitting there at work and they didn't give you a list of things to do. Do you sit on your hands or do you, you know, crack open an email or pick up the phone and call a customer? It's like that bias towards action is hands down the number one thing. Uh, in a fast-growing software company, there are always, every week, there are hours where you're not quite sure what to do next because things are moving fast. Maybe the product's updated. There's new leads. And the idea of do you sit on your hands or do you take action is the number one thing that makes a difference. So we really emphasize that. But the other way I'd flip it around is also what skills to not worry about. Um, every posting, every posting will have four, five, ten different apps. They hope you know, uh, and I'm sure, I'm sure your listeners have seen these job postings. You need to know Salesforce, Outreach, Seamless, HubSpot, it, nineteen different words that no one knows. And uh, I don't want dirty little secrets. Too negative, but. Uh, the stark reality. Sales organizations have 20 different applications they use. The average application gets replaced every four years, which means your first year on the job, five of the tools you use are going to get ripped and replaced. So it's actually way less important to have used those apps than it is to just know what they are and be really comfortable jumping in and trying new things. So if people are getting ready to go on that job hunt, trying all the new tools I can. Uh, every app out there has got like a free trial. Give it a try. Install the extension, try the app, click around, just get comfortable working with new tools. That's way more valuable than knowing the specific apps on the list.
0: Mm-hmm. So how do you teach that, Joseph? I mean, you know, there's this range of skills, but the most important one that you've mentioned is this self-determination. It's a kind of action orientation. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, maybe there's, Part of the challenge is recruiting the right people, but then the other part is, you know, how do you train people for those kinds of roles, especially those kind of personal characteristics that you've described?
1: It's, it's interesting because, um, to a certain extent, our application process self-selects a little bit. Like, if someone's action-oriented, they'll look at how they better their situation. They look for online courses. They look for resources. They're inclined to apply to something like Yuvaro. And, you know, they fill the the application process. And uh, so to a certain extent, I know our sample set biases towards that. When we think about the hard skills of it, though, like that answering, oh, well, even if you're biased towards action, what do you do? Or, you know, what are the apps to try? A lot of that is in class practice. And so we we share a lot of tips and a lot of resources about how to think critically about tools and then we give people the opportunity to try them out. Um, so a good example, a really good example. Um, we deliver our classes on Zoom and that's a core tool of selling. And so all of our grads are very, very comfortable using, presenting, using uh, Zoom as a host, um, but also a lot of software sales use video. You know, you'll record a video and send it to a client. And one of our first projects is a very simple one like introduce yourself less than a minute but then over the course of a couple of weeks we make them more challenging so you're comfortable using that tool and we remind everybody anytime you get a new tool look up a couple of alternatives and read a comparison blog because yes one job you apply to may use vidyard our tool of choice but another company might use loom might use wistia and they don't expect you to know their tool but they want you to know how it gets used and know you feel comfortable adopting it. So by the time our grads you know, finish, they've had a chance to hands-on to try a dozen different tools, get comfortable with them, and know that lingo. Um, it, it's a lot like, uh, you can't just learn to play piano by reading the book, you got to actually practice. So we spend a lot of time in the classroom practicing.
0: Mm, so it's building that muscle memory, giving people the yeah. chance to, to actually practice the skills in simulation.
1: Yeah, that's it exactly.
0: My guest today is Joseph Fung. He's co founder and CEO of Uvaro. I'm your host, Mark Franklin, here on Career Buzz. Thanks for tuning in. So, if um, Joseph, we've been talking a little bit about sales training or business development training, and uh, people come and they can take a, a course. You know, it looks like it's one of those courses. A lot of people do a university degree or a college diploma, and then they're trying to kind of take it to that that last mile. Sometimes people call it the last mile education to kind of the, the thing on top of their basic education. Although it often is costly to do that. We've seen, you know, these 12-week boot camps. I've had people from these 12-week boot camps learn programming, learn user experience, and the price tag is pretty hefty. Um, how does it work in your case? How long is the program and, and how much does it cost?
1: Yeah, so our... It's a, it's a fair comment. There's a huge range in this industry. I mean, you have everything from programs that are, are free because they're self directed videos to programs that are $30,000. It is a busy space. Ours is a 12 week program, uh, and students can choose to pay for it upfront, in which case it's, it's $5,000 upfront, uh, or they could choose to pay on an income share agreement which means after they graduate and after they land a job, they're paying uh, at a price point that's tied to their income, so 10% of their base salary for that 24 months. Uh, and so that usually works out to be eight to $10,000. Uh, the real nugget in there is that they don't need to pay until they've landed that full-time role. And so unlike post-secondary education, we're deeply vested in you having career success.
0: How's that working out for you? For those people who choose that option, the income share option, that's a very interesting option. You know, how many people take you up on that and how many people like stick with it and, and pay up over the 24 months?
1: Uh, so 90% of our students do choose the income share agreement. Uh, and generally the students who have more sales experience, they feel more confident about where they're gonna land. They choose to pay up front because it's a more cost-effective option for them. For people who are looking to manage their risk, they tend to choose the income share agreement. Uh, And so far, it's been amazing. Uh, We've had a knock on wood, a 100% collection rate. Uh, I know we can't maintain that forever, something will go sideways. Uh, But it's been really successful, and uh, I think I mentioned earlier, the the average growth uh, on salary has been double what they were doing before the program. And our median time to find employment is 17 days post-graduation. So we're fortunate to have a very, very successful track record.
0: Hmm. Um, many programs offer support, career support. You know, colleges and universities are really focused on supporting graduates to enter the job market. How, how do you support your graduates to, well, to, to cross that 17-day gap? That's a pretty remarkable n- number. Um, but it what is. supports do they have?
1: So, I mean, we, we have a career instruction stream that's fit in interleaved throughout the program. Uh, the part that's really interesting is... Uh, we're really lucky in that we're on the sales side of things. Now, if we were training engineering, the skills, the competences you train for an engineer aren't always the same skills that you use in a job search or an interview. But when you're in sales, it's actually the exact same skills. So what you do to prospect for customers, go and look on LinkedIn, get to know them, personalize your outreach, it's the exact same thing you do for your job search. So we actually practice those job search skills at the same time that we're practicing the sales skills and we flip back and forth between them. Uh, And the part that's really fun is when you're interviewing for a sales job, that head of sales, that recruiter wants you to sell them. And so, whereas in other roles, you can feel uh, daunted by asking about salary. You can feel intimidated by trying to set an agenda or ask when you should follow up. In sales, they want you to do that because if you don't do it, they'll be surprised. So we're really lucky in that our career stream complements the actual uh, training, the technical skills very directly. Like those videos I mentioned earlier, we have all of our grads send out video introductions as part of their resumes, and every head of sales goes, wow, I wish more of my candidates did that.
0: What are one or two uh, stories, Joseph, of of people who have graduated, Where, where are they now, where are the alumni now?
1: Uh, I mean, all over the place. It's such a delight. Uh, The part I think that helps me and gets me so excited is that it's not just about where they are now. It's also where they came from. Uh, Like uh, one of the students that comes to mind, a more mature student, uh, he was renting a one bedroom. He was renting a bedroom in a two bedroom apartment and not, you know, not that kind of like, Hey, I'm rooming with my college buddy, but more that. Hey, I'm the one who replied to the Kijiji ad. Uh, And so it's a tough situation while he was saving for his son's education and he worked at McDonald's, so a very tough challenge. As he came through our program, he was able to leverage the program, our internship, to leave his role at McDonald's, land a role at an amazing software company in Toronto, and immediately move out into uh, his own apartment where his son, when he visits, you know, doesn't need to sleep on the floor in his bedroom. So just an amazing life-changing situation. Um, another grad, another local one that comes to mind uh, he didn't start local. He was in San Diego working at a, a trucking firm. He had moved from uh, he moved from India to San Diego and due to some of the immigration changes in the States, he had to leave the country. So he's thinking, where where the heck can I go? So he goes to Toronto, graduates from the program and he's now selling AI market intelligence and he spent the last four months doing 250% of quota. Just amazing success. And it, the reality is it's, it's not the training it's helping people who have that grit that determination and giving them the lingo you know the language the, the awareness of the tools and, and some tips on the interviewing and it's really them doing that success and that's that's been really cool
0: interesting stories um and uh 250 of quota sounds like um that that person is going to be making some some decent money
1: oh he he's having a good time <laughs>
0: Um, We talked earlier about this platform uh, that you had mentioned in the interview, Kite. I I wonder from your own kind of business model, how how that ties in. You've got a a sales platform, and now you also have this interesting training program. Um, How do these two dovetail?
1: Yeah, so, I mean, when we first launched the training program, we weren't sure. When we first launched it, the training program was a bit of an experiment, and then uh, circumstances are what uh, helped it take off like crazy. Uh, and so today, how they fit together, the software platform is completely free. You know, We're heavily incented to have every company in North America use it, because uh, that gives us two things. One, it continues to drive data that helps inform our curriculum. Uh, and then number two, the employers who are using it are also hiring salespeople, so it helps drive the employer side of our business.
0: Sounds like a good uh, a good model.
1: It's, it's been very, uh, very complimentary, and uh, we're pretty much the only sales enablement platform where you can use it to educate your salespeople, but then you can also use it to dip into and hire your next batch.
0: So what's next, uh, Joseph? It sounds like things are moving okay. The pandemic hopefully will be fading and, and things will be moving back to, to well, not normal. I don't know if we can call it normal anymore. But how will things change? What's going to happen over these coming months as the pandemic shifts all of our experiences?
1: The I think the part that's so interesting is We spent the last year, so many businesses just reacting and thinking, oh my goodness, how do I handle this? I I definitely need to hire people who could sell remotely. Um, But we're now seeing a lot of businesses who have realized this is a real sustainable advantage. So I think we're going to see a a couple of things in the industry. Number one is even more hiring. And we already see this. We crawl job boards. We see that accelerating. That's going to continue. But we're going to see more cross-border, like cross-provincial, cross-national boundary hiring. Uh, we see that you know, in individual cases, like people in New York being hired by Toronto firms, people in the U.S. being hired by Vancouver firms, all left, right, and center. Uh, we're going to see more of that. Uh, and that's, I think that's an exciting thing, um, but it's also a, a, an intimidating thing for a lot of people because now they're looking for roles not just competing with their neighbors or the people down the street, but with people in a city they don't even know about. Uh, for us, the part that I'm really excited about is once things ease up, we'll get to meet our students in person again. Like hosting meetups in Toronto, in Vancouver, in New York, in Miami, I'm so excited about that because there's so many wonderful, delightful people that I've only had you know—had the chance to get to know through Zoom. Uh, and, I mean, they're amazing. We've had folks host um, music jams, or uh, they've been. We've got a couple of DJs who are in the program, and so they spun tracks on Zoom for for our uh, classes. But it'll be really good to get to meet them in person. I'm excited about that.
0: Mm. Was Yuvaro in in class prior to pandemic?
1: No, it was always online and always digital.
0: Interesting. I mean, I've, I've been teaching. Um, at, at the University of Toronto, and in the Faculty of Applied Science and Engineering, and we've had students all over the world. I mean, it may be a Toronto institution, but there are, there are students who stayed at home in India and China, notably in other countries, saving that expensive Toronto rent. Um, are you attracting trainees globally? Is that starting to happen now? Because it's easy, really, to do training or take a course from anywhere in the world.
1: Um, We do. We are somewhat time zone constricted. So we have classes that start at, uh, so Eastern time zone, they start at 9, 12 and 6. Uh, We'll be opening up in July at 9pm Eastern. um, So that'll be 6pm Pacific. Uh, But although they're online classes, they're live classes, like a lot of the the engineering classes you you spoke about. Um, And so we're somewhat constricted. We do have a few people who have joined internationally. uh, But it's challenging of the time zones. And the reality is because we don't have employer partners internationally, we can't offer that same income share agreement to our international students. And so that that limits it as well.
0: So you've told us uh, a lot about um, Ivaro and Kite and a bit about the twists and turns in your own career story. Uh, From your own personal experience, Joseph, what what have you learned that you can share with listeners about making good career, career, life and career choices?
1: It's really interesting uh, because when I was thinking about our conversation today, I spent a lot of time trying to reflect on uh, what I've experienced, not just what I see in our students and our employees, but what what I've experienced. And uh, I think one of the things that made such a big difference for me was firmly believing in working alongside the people who can make me a better person. When I think about my co-founders, when I think about when I've sold companies and the people that I wanted to work with. Focusing on people that would bring out the best in me is what helped me feel most fulfilled, but I think is also what helped me do my best work. So if I I had to pick something that I personally learned, I'd point to that.
0: If listeners want to find out more about uh, you and, and Yuvaro, Joseph, how do they do that?
1: Uh, you can always hit us up at uvaro, dot com. And individually, I'm on most social platforms, Facebook, LinkedIn, at uh, Joseph Fung. And so always happy to connect.
0: Great. Joseph Fung, thanks so much for joining us here on Career Buzz. Thanks, Mark. You've been listening to Career Buzz. Stories show that who you are matters. I'm your host, Mark Franklin. You can find out more about me at careercycles.com. If you have comments on today's show, please email me. It's mark with a K at careercycles.com or careerbuzz at CIUT.fm. Thanks to my guest today, Joseph Fung. Technical production today was by Lucy Welsh. Subscribe to Career Buzz on your favorite podcast app and find it at the podcast link on careercycles.com. Catch Career Buzz every Wednesday at 11 a.m. on CIUT. That's it for today's episode of Career Buzz. Thanks for listening.